Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 14 of the Debt Free Dad podcast. You know, one of the single best things that I ever did to reach financial freedom was ditching my $500 car payment and my brand new car for a used 1996 Toyota Corolla. And today we're going to be sharing some great tips on how you can drive your way to financial freedom. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now, here's your host, Debt-Free Dad, Brad Nelson. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to today's episode. You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Brad Nelson, Debt-Free Dad. And uh, we'd love to connect with you. We've got uh, lots of great interaction going on on our Facebook group page, also on Instagram. Uh, If you're looking for additional content to help you reach a happier and stress-free financial life, not only interact with me, but also interact with people who are like-minded and wanting to get out of debt, this is a great opportunity for you to do that. So we look forward to connecting to you uh, on one of those social platforms. So guys, in our last episode, we talked all about new cars and how new cars can make it difficult to reach financial freedom. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck, those new cars, those new car payments can be causing a lot of people a ton of financial stress. And some people, they don't even necessarily know that that's what's causing the stress. So what we want to do in today's episode is we're going to discuss another option, a cheaper option, and a much more affordable option that can actually make financial freedom possible. And today we're going to be talking all about buying and purchasing used cars, right? Guys, you guys excited about this topic today? You got to be kidding me. You can buy a used reliable car. There's no way. (laughs) (laughs) And I only say that because as, as we were preparing for this, I've just, you know, I kind of was looking around at some different forums and this topic is just, um, I think we said in our new car episode, this is just one where people go at it, uh, <laughs> dig, dig their teeth into you uh, over buying used versus new. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like we talked about, it's it's a tough topic. And, uh, and remember, this is the reminder as we get into today's show. The goal of this podcast is to help you reduce financial stress and debt, allowing you to live a happier and stress-free financial life. So, If you're living paycheck to paycheck right now and you've got one of these brand new cars out there, we're not picking on you for it. We're just telling you that that's what's going to probably prevent you from actually starting to make progress. So what we want to do is just kind of challenge the status quo and share with you that buying a used car could actually be one of the best things that you choose to do for your finances. We get the whole mindset. <laughs> I think we've all dealt, at least I've dealt with it from buying new cars and transitioning my mindset over to used cars. It's a, it's a tough mindset change, but uh, it works. And I can, like I said, when we introduced the podcast here today, it's one of the best things that I ever did in my financial life was kick those high car payments and bought a car with cash. And I couldn't believe the amazing difference that it made in my life. Also, as part of what we're doing here in this podcast is that, you know, you eventually have to change your financial mindset and separate your addiction to stuff. And, you know, this country uh, has a huge stuff problem. Uh, We don't struggle with personal finances because of a scarcity mindset. It's because 
it's an abundance mindset. We have way too much stuff going on in our lives. We have way too many payments on things. We're overindulging and cars is one of those things. And if you're constantly always looking for, you know, the next best thing to buy or the next best thing that you can take payments out on, you're always going to be in debt and you're always going to be dealing with some of this financial stress that we're talking about on this show. You know, one of the things that I always teach our Roots members is this. In all the study and all the books that I've read and all the professional personal finance people I've spoken with and all the classes and the courses that I've seen and listened to and learned from, never once did I ever hear the words that anyone spent their way to financial freedom. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to save your way to financial freedom by making better choices. And one of those choices could be ditching car payments. So, guys, let's go back to just real quick recap on episode number 13. And we I just want to go through this real quick just so people have an idea of some of the things that we talked about when it came to these new cars. One of the biggest things that we talked about was depreciation. That's me. That's my biggest argument against new cars is just the overall lost value and how long people are keeping their cars and how much money people are sticking into these cars uh, and, and lost value. It's like a huge rock on your personal finances. There's no question. The used cars we've bought, I mean... I- that's why we let people take that hit, you know, because um, the used cars, I mean, we're saving a ton of money, you know, compared to that same car that might be a few years old. Um, if you bought that new, you're just saving a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. And then we talked all about, you know, things like negative equity. We talked about uh, the large payment. As we mentioned, one of the statistics from USA Today, the average car payment back in 2019 was $550. And guys, listen, cars don't go down in value. They go up right? Or I'm sorry, not in value, in cost. They go up in cost, right? So we're at $555 as of 2019. It's 2020. So where do you think those payments are going to go? They're only going to continue to go up. And if you're struggling right now, it's only going to get harder as time goes on. We also talked about things like longer terms and higher interest rates. And just a fact that those who have high car payments, especially if you're family and you maybe have two of these car payments, it's going to be really hard to reach financial freedom. So guys, can you talk a little bit about the stigma of buying a used car or maybe some things that you have heard or uh, how maybe you felt about it? Ryan, I know you've bought a couple of new cars and you know maybe transitioning that mindset. How, how did that work for you? Number one, you got to get out of your own head about this reliability argument everybody makes. It was an argument I made a couple, I mean, my wife, we bought my wife a couple of new cars. I bought some new cars. And it was always about reliability. Well, I got to get to work and I need something reliable. And that's just something that had been passed down to me. You know, I, I can't really say I had some major purchase of a car that it blew up in my face and I was out seven grand because I couldn't fix it. I mean, people use these really crazy excuses about reliability. You know, well, my uncle bought a car and he had to stick a ton of money into it. But when it comes down to it, it's just they can't really explain how much that was. So for me and our journey, it was getting out of our own head and realizing that we were just, we were justifying the new car purchase by saying, well, reliable and safe. Well, the new ones are safer than the old one. So that's why we'll do it. And, but I can't tell you that I point to any research or information that I got that from. That's just what everybody said. So that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I like the reliable one too, because the excuse I, I've used it <laughs> to buy a lot of new cars and 
Then when I actually started sitting down and doing the math, like say for instance, you buy a brand new car in the first year, let's just use simple math. Your car payment's $500 a month. That's six grand going out that year to that car. That doesn't include all the additional costs or anything like that. But when I compare that to the used cars that I've had over the last 10 years, never one time in owning a used car has it ever costed me $6,000 in repairs in one year, ever. And people talk about a warranty on a brand new car and they say, oh, well, it comes with that warranty because it's brand new. Well, you're paying for that warranty in the depreciation that goes with that vehicle too. You got to keep that in mind. And I've never ever spent as much money on repairs as I lost in value on a brand new car. Paul's here with us here today as well. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Paul is Amber's husband and he has, uh, and and Paul, maybe you can share a little bit again about what you do and uh, your expertise in this area, but uh, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Brad. Um, Yeah, for people that don't know me, I'm a licensed mechanic up here in Canada, uh, licensed to work anywhere in Canada. Uh, on automotive. Um, as far as my experience with used cars, well, it's hit or miss. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. There have been issues with buying some used ones in the past, but more of them come from jumping at the wrong time. So not that the car was necessarily bad, just not right for what we needed type. Yeah. Thing, so. Yeah. And we're going to yep. talk a little bit about those tips here. Uh, coming up, you know, another, a couple of other uh, excuses or the stigma behind buying used cars is it's not as sexy as a purchase, right? I mean, think about this. It's maybe not as fun to celebrate a used car as it is to celebrate a brand new car. Um, It's sure fun to celebrate though, when you pay off the car. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's like paid off. That was, that was our biggest celebration. Um, other than aside from my student loans, but Brad, I have a confession to make. So I, for a split second, long enough to send a message to a a salesperson thought about leasing a vehicle for my business. (laughs) I swear Paul messaged the guy at work and said, how much would this cost? Yada, yada. And as soon as he got, cause I thought like, you know, cause I could write it all off. Right. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a lease. It was like, how much was it? Like two fifty a week? Uh, bi-weekly. It was just, I was just like $500. That's not in my pocket anymore. The government's not going to pay me back for all of that. It was very quickly in and out of my brain. Cause I have this mindset now that I'm like, no, I'd rather have a paid for car in my driveway. Yeah. I don't care what people think. Yeah. Good for you for changing. Yeah. But think about that though. I mean, one, that was a great decision, by the way. <laughs> For a split second. <laughs> Trust me, we I get it. I mean, my wife, you know, she runs her own business, and there's times where we have, like, done the math and looked at it. Like, is it better, like, if you just leased out a vehicle for the particular business? And the math, it just... It, on a new car, the depreciation, the lease, the the main, it's just, it's too much in the type of business that obviously she runs in, in my personal opinion. But when we start, when we think about this, though, when we celebrate a used car purchase over a new car purchase, I've done both. Does it ever feel like when you tell someone you bought a used car that it, it doesn't count because you paid cash for a used car and not a new car? Have you guys ever felt that way? Like I've always gotten felt that there's just this impression that just because, because it's used, it doesn't count that you paid cash for it and you drive a paid for vehicle. I've just, I've gotten that impression for other people. Have you guys ever experienced that? I mean, we bought a couple cars for our kids as well. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I definitely 
was not when I bought, when we got rid of my new car and bought a Pontiac Grand Prix, like a $3,000 beater. I didn't post any pictures of that. (laughs) (laughs) Why not dude? That's sweet. (laughs) You know, but, um, yeah, I I mean, uh, so yeah, you're right. I think it's the, it's in our heads though. It's, you know, it's kind of that goes back to the story of me purchasing a car to portray what I want other people to think of me, you know, but when I buy a Grand Prix and it's old and junky, it, I don't want people to associate the car with me, but that's what people do. If you see someone driving down the road in a brand new BMW, our minds assume they're got it all going on. Yep. Um, but meanwhile, they're crying behind the steering wheel because they can't pay it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it fascinating though? Even, even being on this side, you know that the majority of the people who own those types of vehicles are living paycheck to paycheck, but there's still that human side to it that you associate that to success. It's interesting. It really is. I, I'm glad Amber brought it up today. Cause I'm not the only one who, th- cause every now and then my, my wife and I get the urge. We're like, we want to buy a new house. We don't like this old house we're in. And then we go look and then we look at payments and we're like, we love this old house. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need that reality yeah. check. <laughs> but getting out of debt, I think you're still normal. You're still like, I still have all these feelings. You know, I would still love to buy a new car. It's just, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we don't still feel these things. Yeah, I had one happen actually this past week. Uh, as I had mentioned, I was buying a, a used car that I got a really good deal on. Um, and as soon as I bought it, everybody's like, well, you should take that, flip it, and use that money that you're going to get as a down payment on a new car. And I'm like, why? Like, I don't care about, and this is going to sound really weird. I'm like, I don't care about the money. I care about a reliable vehicle to get me where I have to go. So let's talk a little bit about some benefits. Now that we kind of talked a a little bit about the stigma of buying some of these used cars, let's talk a little bit about the benefits. One of the first ones, the biggest ones for me is obviously less depreciation equals more money in your bank account. So Last episode, if you remember, we talked all about how much depreciation you could potentially lose on a vehicle uh, as you own it, especially within the first year and even in the first four to five years that you have that vehicle. That depreciation in the first year is anywhere between 20 to 30%. And over the course of the next four to five years, it's up to, you know, 60 to 70% of lost value. Well, when you buy a used car, and Amber and Ryan have kind of talked a little bit about this already, is that someone's already taken that depreciation hit for you. So the car is still going to depreciate. Don't get me wrong. I mean, all of these things that we're buying, they are going to go down in value, but a used car is going to depreciate much slower than, say, a brand new car. So that's immediate savings. So if you're willing to deal with the fact that it's got miles on it or it might have a few, you know, um, you know, maybe a ding here and there or a scratch here and there, it's not like perfect, right? If you can deal with that, you can save yourself a lot of money. In, in a lot of ways, it's like the scratch and dent appliance. You know, you can save a lot of money on scratch and dent appliances if if you're willing to look at them and deal with a little bit of the blemishes that are in them. So just as an example of this, uh, we bought my son a used uh, car for $6,500, but going on four, over four years ago. Um, and right now, I mean, I, I always look, so I always check Craigslist to try to get an idea of, you know, if we, if we, if he wanted to, what could he get for it? Um, you know, we're still probably talking between four, four thousand, forty five hundred dollars um, because there's nothing wrong with it. It runs great. So over those four years, we've lost a couple thousand dollars in depreciation as opposed to if I would have bought that new, 
over four years, I would have probably lost ten, twelve thousand dollars, yep. depending on the car you buy. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been some vehicles that uh, I've purchased, some used ones. Even the one that I'm driving right now, I drive a 2002 Chevy Silverado. Uh, yes, it does have some character flaws. I mentioned that truck a lot here on this podcast because people are surprised to find out that I drive an 18 year old vehicle, but today I could almost sell that thing for what I bought it for two and a half years ago because I bought it with such low miles. I've kept it up. I've done a lot of the maintenance and stuff on it. I could, it, it's held its value over the last two and a half years. It hasn't dramatically gone down. The only thing that I would technically be out is just the maintenance and things and the repairs that I've put in it for the last two and a half years because you're not going to make a profit on that. But to be able to purchase something and then to be able to sell it two and a half years later for the same price that you bought it for, to me, that's money well spent. That's very, that's a very low expense for having a vehicle for two and a half years. So, you know, the older the vehicle gets, the less it depreciates over time. It definitely is true. And when you're buying... Um, a vehicle that, and this is what I've found anyways, when you're buying a vehicle personally, instead of through like a used car lot or a dealership that has used cars, oftentimes you can get the vehicle at or below what the value of the vehicle is. Um, So like a $4,000 car on the lot, they're trying to make their profit. Whereas the customer or the, the person that you're buying it from usually just has the vehicle. They've probably bought something brand new, but they weren't willing to take what the dealership was offering them. So their vehicle, they just want to get rid of it at that point. Oftentimes they're in pretty good shape because it was something they were still driving. Um, And you can get them for a song. And then as soon as you get that, it will hold its value because technically you paid less than the value of what the vehicle is. So a $4,000 car, if you can get it for two grand, which quite often does happen, then all of a sudden you drive it for three, four years and you can still sell it for the $2,000, if not more. Another reason uh, or a benefit of buying a new car is the idea is, is to obviously reduce as much debt as you have and also free up uh, monthly cash flow. So if you're ditching a high car, pr- car, high car payment, and let's say you go to a cheaper car payment or no car payment at all, well, guess what? Now you can use that money to, say, save and build up an emergency fund savings. Use that money to start paying down your credit cards and your student loans and and all of those types of different things. So if you can sacrifice in the car area of your life, that amount of money that you're normally spending on a vehicle could really speed up the whole process in in getting out of debt. We always talk about short-term sacrifice. What can you sacrifice short-term in your life to get ahead uh, more quickly? And this could be one of those big moves uh, that you make. Also, in general, there's just less stress. I mean, (laughs) nobody enjoys writing out a check or sending up auto payments for a $500 payment per month. Amber, you just said it. I mean, $500 a month is what you're going to have to spend on that new lease car. I mean, you you could yep. feel it already, and it wasn't even yours, and that's what made you change your mind. I didn't even go look at a car. I just had it <laughs> in my brain and thought about it, and then I heard the payment price, and I was like, heck no. So then it begs the question of, okay, well, if a used car is one of the better options for us to you know, be able to pay down debt faster and, and reach our financial goals, what kind of a used car should I really be looking at? Now, me personally, I say, ideally speaking, one that you could pay cash for. That's what I would like people to do. Uh, but that's a tough swing for people. And, and I'll be straight up. 
when I had to get rid of a brand new uh, practical label, we bought it brand new. It wasn't brand new when we sold it because obviously we were driving it. But when we had, when I had to get rid of a brand new 2008 Toyota Camry for a 1996 Toyota Corolla, that was not a fun day. It was fun because I no longer had a payment. But let me tell you, going from that car to uh, a used car like that was a painful experience. But at the end of the day, it was paid for, and I freed up $500 a month in uh, my cash. It also, along the way of reaching debt freedom over the next four years, because that car really did help me reach debt freedom over the next four years, it really changed my mindset about cars. You know, Ryan and I, we were talking about reliability. It's like, this this car lasted me four years. Never once did I sit on the side of the road. I paid $3,000 for it, and that little car uh, was amazing. And that's what completely changed my mindset about used cars. To this day, uh, after being debt-free now for six years, I still have yet to pay over $5,500 for a used vehicle. Uh, my kind of rule of thumb is I never want to pay over 10, but me, I would rather never pay over five. And I think I've had some pretty great luck buying some really good vehicles in that price range that have had very little uh, maintenance outside of just normal wear and tear type things that are, are going to come up. There are good cars out there that you can purchase. There's no question. There's definitely good cars, but there's definitely... You gotta you gotta shop and you gotta be careful and you gotta talk to somebody who knows what they're doing that you trust um, because I have been I have been stuck on the side of the road <laughs> against the advice of my husband he told me don't drive this car on the highway you're not gonna make it but I thought I could I blew the engine it was all it was a bad day <laughs> but it, so you gotta be you gotta be careful so for me I feel like I feel five thousand dollars is good but i'd probably go i'd probably go to 10 depending on especially since i've been looking at cars so much lately um because he was looking at buying used and stuff so um that's where i i don't know if i'd go higher than 10 would you it would have to be a special vehicle um it, it would have to be again one of those deals that's just too good to pass up um yeah probably not <laughs> i really wouldn't want to go above 10 you really got to ask yourself, and this this is the whole, you know, as you talk about getting out of debt, I remember when I first did this and we bought that Grand Prix, um, you got to ask yourself, what do you need, not what do you want? And I think this is what we really get trapped in with trying to justify our purchases of, it, it's very, it could have been very easy for me to look at that old car and give all the reasons why not to do it. Uh, by the way, one of them was my, my brother Brad here saying that he did it. And I was like, I'm going to do this and just prove to him that I'm going to have all kinds of problems and that you have to buy a new car, <laughs> but it ended up working out great for me. So, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, so I think when you're looking at a car, um, yes, it's good to have a budget in mind, but if your budget is 10, don't go spend $10,000 potentially. I think that goes back to like, if you, if your budget's 10 or 15, what do you need? And then work from there. And I think that's what, that's how we bought all our cars is not look at what we want. The, the, if it's got bells and whistles, that's great, but don't go into it wanting that stuff. Cause that's a want heated seats is a want. That's not a need. Wait, wait, wait. You don't live in Northern Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I do. I do live in the South. Sorry. 
That's a necessity. That's like here. that's like saying, Ryan, you guys are not you guys aren't allowed to have air conditioning. What? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing you guys we want to make sure you guys keep in mind too is this isn't to say that all used cars are inexpensive. Any car, you know, if you have a one or two year old used car, there I mean these some of these cars are still expensive. There's no question about it. So, you know, I recommend like I'm like over five years old, me personally. That's kind of what I always look at again. I'm not I don't want to spend that much money on a car. This day and age today, a car just isn't that important to me. I'm kind of like you, Paul, where you said, I just want the functionality. I want a steering wheel. I want four wheels, and I just want to get to where I'm going. I don't really care about all the fancy features and all the nice stuff, but crazy enough, guys, what I found is that a lot of the cars that I look at now have all that stuff. Like my wife's 2005 Ford Explorer. We paid $4,300 for that. Oh, no, they wanted $4,300 for it. We paid $3,800. It was a private party sale. It has automatic everything. It's got four-wheel drive. I mean, it's got everything, everything and everything that we want. We did some upgrades, and we put in uh, Apple CarPlay, like a little radio and all that. I mean, the car is magnificent. There's nothing wrong with it. It's got a few blemishes and stuff on the outside, but uh, it's a beautiful car. But I think, you know, we sell ourselves that we're not going to get all this fancy stuff. But if you actually look at it, I mean, it's so hard to have power windows in a, you know, 15-year-old vehicle. I mean, a lot of this stuff already comes with it. It's not like we're looking at base model vehicles here that have roll-down windows and no air conditioning and, you know, no seat in the back, you know, things like that. I mean, you know, we're looking at cars that, that have a lot of these features that most people would prefer to have in a car. Yeah, it's gotten to the point, Brad, where... Um, even the entry level vehicles, um, have the majority of the bells and whistles because they know that people won't buy them unless they have a, a minimum. And it's probably been about 15 years, 10 to 15 years that you've got crews on everything. Most of them have air conditioning. Most of them have, uh, not the heated seats. Those are fairly new, but I mean, as far as the up level radios and those kinds of things, they've all got it. That being said, that's where you start to run into problems with vehicles. <laughs> yeah, all right. the extra bells and whistles. All those little extra things that they put on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my my 2002 Chevy Silverado that I have, it's got automatic everything. It's got power seats. It's got cruise control. It's got the fog lamps. It's got uh, the off-road package. I mean, it's got everything on it. It's just, and it's even got a cool tape deck, which, by the way, I bet someone in this <laughs> on this podcast, you guys don't have a tape deck. I got a tape deck. That's pretty sweet still. <laughs> Right? <laughs> All right, we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about, okay, you're ready to buy a new car. What are some things that I need to start considering and working on? Hey, imagine a life without payments and debt. I'm telling you, it's possible. Now, I recently launched an incredible free workshop that will walk you through the first steps to reaching a stress-free and debt-free life. Now, the information that we're sharing inside this workshop has helped people save and pay off millions of dollars. And we've had thousands of people now register for this workshop. Now, I was broke at one time too. But by following a simple process, I paid off all of my debts and I now live completely debt-free. And getting out of debt, it's not an easy road. This is hard work. So I know also what works and what doesn't work. And that's why we created this fantastic success path that's removing all of the confusion and it's helping ordinary people have massive results. And I just want to share our success path with you in this workshop. Now, the goal of the workshop is really simple. We want to help you reduce stress. We want to provide you immediate and clear direction. Also give you some really helpful insights and give you some really cool tips to help you discover some of the first steps, some of the first things that you should work on as you get on the road to financial freedom. 
So head on over to therealdebtfreedad.com, click on Tools and Courses in the menu, and get free access to this course today. Hey guys, welcome back to today's show all about how to drive your way to financial freedom. And we're talking about purchasing uh, used cars versus purchasing new cars. Guys, we kind of talked all about, you know, the stigmas, what are the benefits of buying a used car? Let's talk a little bit about once you make a decision to purchase a used car, uh, what are some things that we've done to make that purchase uh, a successful one? Uh, one where, like Amber said, we're not on the side of the road and uh, we've blown an engine. So I, I've kind of broken it down into what well, we got, like four areas. So there's patience, there's diligence, there's negotiating, and there's walkaway power. All right. Uh, those are going to be some of the four areas that we're going to talk about. Also, we're going to share a couple of tips if you're upside down in a car. What are some things that you can look at doing if you want to transition out of a car, a new car, big car payment, and more into something that's more affordable, that's going to free up cash flow for you to pay down debt, save money, uh, so on and so forth. So when it comes to uh, buying a used car, Paul, you kind of were hitting on this a little bit earlier, but uh, patience needs to be a part of it. As I said, we've Amber's explained the story about buying the vehicle and she blew the engine in it. Um, we were desperate. We bought a car. A van, actually. Yeah. It was a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> One and only. Um, but we were desperate. We had no other vehicle, and it seemed like a good deal from where she worked, and um, it happened to be an old taxi. So <laughs> you can tell where that goes based yeah. on based on typical drivers and so on. Um, and it just happened to be that her transmission was having some minor issues, and I told her, I said, don't take it on the highway because you will not get out of second gear. And she got to third gear, but when you're driving the speed that she was expected to on the highway, it kind of blew the motor. <laughs> yeah. So it happens. And I mean, if you're, if you're patient, you're looking for the right thing, you're going to find it eventually. It's just a matter of timing. That's, that's the one thing you want to avoid in this whole decision is emotion. Like if you're in an extreme urgent situation where you need to have a car, that usually is a recipe for disaster because you're going to probably make a, a rash decision. You're going to make a decision where you don't, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. You're going to miss some things and that could make you pay in repairs on a used vehicle if, if you buy something that's not worthy of buying. All right. The next area that you want to focus on is being diligent. And Paul the expert on today's podcast on vehicle maintenance and uh, repair. Talk to us a little bit about if I'm going to go buy a used car, if I'm in the market for a used vehicle, what are some things that as let's say a layperson who knows nothing about cars should do to make sure that they do get themselves into something that's not going to break down on them? Um. Okay. Well, let's see some of the easy things that, um, you should definitely start with if you're going out and you're meeting with a person, um, to buy it privately, uh, which is my preferred method. Um, when you're buying a car privately, you're going to ask see simple questions like, okay, well, do you have any of the maintenance records for the vehicle? If they've got them, they're usually pretty well organized. And that means that they've definitely been maintaining their vehicle. 
Um, at a quick glance, when you hop into the car, you're going to check, are there any lights on on the dash, um, including the fuel light? If the fuel light's on, it means that the person's probably over, over time let it get to that point other times. And that's generally a good indication that your fuel pump could be abused. Um, cause if you're not, if it's not being filled regularly and not having, uh, not always having fuel up to about a quarter of the way in the tank, um, it's not getting the lubrication that it needs. Um, check your oils, check all your basic fluids. You're, you're looking for preferably not brand new oil in an engine. Uh, just for the simple fact that then it looks like they might be trying to hide something. Um, your coolant, depending on the vehicle, might be bright green, might be an orange. Uh, transmission fluid is another thing to really check out for. Um, it smells bad, no matter what the like, what the condition of the transmission fluid is. But it'll smell burnt if it's if it's uh, if it's going bad. And if it's going bad, that means that the transmissions well on its way towards going out as well. So those are some basic things you can check. You're going to want to check underneath the vehicle, um, not even lift it. Just look for any rust around the edges, um, around the rocker panels, because that will fail a vehicle. You won't be able to put it onto the road without fixing it. Other things, checking your tires, tire pressure, not so much, but checking to see the wear pattern on the tire. If it's even all the way across the tire, um, then it means that they've probably been rotating the tires. Um, it means that the vehicle alignment is probably pretty good as well. So that means, again, that it's indicating that they've maintained the vehicle. So those are things you definitely want to look out for. Okay. What about uh, things like Carfax reports and some of those types of things? Do you recommend any of those types of things? Uh, definitely, because you'll, you won't know if there's a lien on a vehicle without having a Carfax report. You're also going to want to get an idea for who the driver was. Like if it's an older person versus a teenager, <laughs> uh, you definitely want to, you definitely want to see that. That'll give you a good idea of the condition the vehicle might be in. Uh, the Carfax report will tell you if it's ever been in an accident. Um, that's insurance claimed. That's the one catch with those is it has to be an insurance claim in order for it to really show anything there. Right. Otherwise you can ask the, the, the person that you're buying it off of if they've ever ever been hit uh, or if the vehicle's ever been hit because they can technically they're supposed to tell you and you actually have recourse if they lie to you that you can go back and say, Hey, this car was in an accident. Um, you didn't disclose that you can actually get your money back for that. At least here in Canada, I don't know about down in the U S and in individual States, how they work that, but usually there's um, buyer's protection for that kind of thing. Um, so asking specifically, not if it's ever been in an accident, because being in an accident means, um, specifically that it was two cars, they collided. If it's ever been hit, it could mean, um, a rock fell on it. Uh, it could mean anything like that, that, or it could have gone down a hill, uh, causing damage to it. And that would, uh, not have to be disclosed unless you specifically ask. Um, so yeah, Carfax definitely does. <laughs> does uh, do some good for you, but there's other reports out there as well and other ways of finding out. Um, go to a dealership if it's, uh, if it's a Toyota. Uh, go to the dealership, find out if there's any open recalls on it um, and also find out uh, that if all the recalls have been completed on it. Um, that way there you have an idea. 
um, of, of whether or not the vehicle has been, again, maintained. Let's say you do all of that, and let's say you're still a little unsure. Now, you, you work for a uh, dealership. Now, do you guys do, like if I were to come to you and say, hey, Paul, I've got a vehicle that you know I'm considering purchasing, would you guys, you know, take it in and like I'll pay a certain amount of money for you guys to kind of go over and do an overall just review of the vehicle to see what I could potentially be looking at, not only right now, but what are some things to kind of consider in the future of that vehicle? For sure. Um, like it, any, and it doesn't have to be a dealership. It can be dealership, uh, a private little shop, um, go someplace that you trust. Uh, don't, don't necessarily go to a dealership because let's face it. A lot of people don't have faith in dealerships anymore. Um, but everybody knows somebody that looks at cars somewhere. Um, go to that person, get it looked at and say, okay, what do you think? Um, just remember that even though they say, okay, yeah, this is, it passes mechanical. Technically from the time that it leaves that shop after the mechanical is passed, if anything goes wrong with it, it's not the responsibility of the, of the mechanic that's looking at it. Um, so that's why it has to be somebody that you trust. Right. Otherwise it could be like the, the piece of paper is only good from the time that it takes you to get from uh, the deal, like from the shop to actually getting the licensing done. I, I prefer, Paul, you mentioned this, uh, you like to buy a private party. I'm, I'm the same way. I like to buy a private party as well. I'm not, I did purchase one vehicle from a dealership. It was that Corolla that we've been talking about throughout this podcast, but that was the last one. I've had a lot of great luck, not just with uh, vehicles, but also with uh, RVs and campers uh, buying private party. Uh, I prefer that. I think I typically get a better deal. Uh, I also prefer, and I wouldn't recommend this to do this by yourself, uh, especially if you're a, a lady, uh, go with somebody, but I actually prefer to go to the owner's home if they'll allow me to. Uh, what I have found is that if I go to the owner's home and I look at their house and I look how they take care of their stuff, it's usually a good sign of how they've taken care of the car. Uh, my wife's truck, my two, this 2005 Explorer, we got this a couple years ago. Literally, <laughs> I know this sounds weird and gross, but I could lick this guy's like garage floor. That's how pristine he kept everything. And I couldn't believe that her, her car was by far the best used car interior that I've ever seen. Like it looked like it still had come off the showroom floor. That's how well these, uh, these guys had taken care of this vehicle. All right. Also, when it comes to character, you know, I feel me personally, I feel like I'm a good judge of character. So if I like the person, they're probably going to be more willing to negotiate and talk with me. If I don't like them and they're kind of a jerk because I've had a couple of pe those types of people, it's like, no, nah, I don't want to work with you. I don't want to deal with you because you're going to make it harder to make this transaction. So that to me is a qualifier on the character of the actual person itself. All right. I've also uh, make it a habit of taking my wife. Right? This is a big one because uh, I will get in the habit of stopping and looking at vehicles on the side of the road or in people's driveways that they're selling. Uh, and if I really get serious about it after talking to the owner, my qualifier is making sure I bring my wife with because um, she too is also a good judge of character, likes to go in the vehicle, get an idea, talk to the owner. Um, and these are all just little things that we do to kind of qualify the purchase. And, and they've worked really, really well over the years. Also, there is that human connection to this. You know, when it comes to negotiating, um, 
I, I again, I think I've just gotten way better deals working with a person rather than dealership who's just solely just making a profit. Now, there are some owners out there, because you will find them, that think that their cars are worth more than anything because it's theirs and they've taken care of it and they think that they should get the top dollar. It's going to be pretty hard to work with somebody like that. And I've actually had two people that I had to turn away cars because they weren't willing to budge on the price and I wasn't willing to pay what they were asking. Uh, but most of the time, if you can kind of, you know, work with them and they're willing to work with you and you like them and everything checks out. I've had really, really great deals, not only on cars, but also on bigger purchases like campers and RVs, just doing it private party. Yeah. And, and so from my experience, cause we bought our, we bought two used car. Well, we bought most of our used cars um, through dealerships and the last two used cars we paid cash for. So just a less, just, I guess, information if you are looking to buy a used car and you are going to pay cash, uh, don't do what I did and go to the dealer and say, I'm going to pay cash. Uh, the best way, the worst deal you're going to get at the dealership is when they know you're going to pay cash because they don't make any money off the car because the way they make their money is off the financing of that car. So if they know that you're coming in and you're just going to pay them cash, you, I found the last, the one we bought my son's first car, um, we went to a dealer where the price was the price because every dealer I went to was just like, they didn't even want to deal with me. And I was shocked. Cause I'm thinking I got cash, man, I'm going to pay cash. And the dealer, all the dealers pretty much just wrote me off immediately. Um, so if you are going to go to a dealer, just know that they are going to, to get any sort of deal on a car. Typically you're going to have to finance the car and then write a check to pay off the car like right away because they're just not going to work with you on the price. I can speak from this one. They, they look at how a vehicle, how much a vehicle costs them. So say a vehicle costs them $3,000. Uh, by the time they take into account all their regular overheads and then their markup to cover um, the salesperson's co commissions and the dealership's commissions and everything, uh, $3,000, what might have cost them $3,000 to bring in, if they go less than $5,000 for it, um, then they can't. It, it, it's just the way, the way business works. But so oftentimes what the smart dealerships do is they'll bring it up to say 6,000. Um, and if you're willing to pay cash, they'll drop it down to say 5,500 or 5,000. They'll bring it down, allowing them the negotiation room, the dealerships that you're dealing with. That's not very nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what better way to say it is. That's not the way I've ever seen it, but I, it, obviously it happens. Yeah. It's uh, it was an eye opener for me. Um, I was not, I was not prepared. I just assumed not that I was trying to get a deal, but I'd at least thought they'd work with me on the price. Um, also just another side note. I first car we bought was during tax season, which I learned is another terrible time to get a deal on a car. <laughs> so um, because dealerships, I remember we went and found a car it was a Toyota Corolla. It was really nice. I think they had it listed for like 7,500. I didn't want to pay it. Blue book said like 5,500. And the guy basically said, come back in like eight weeks. And if it's still here, we'll deal on the price. But right now we probably can sell it because when at tax time, they're going to get more money for it. I see. And you mentioned Ryan that you weren't looking for, um, not necessarily a deal. I'm always, and I think that's me. I, I'm always looking for the deal. I'm always looking for the, and I, I know this might come off as bad, but I'm looking for the desperate seller who's looking to get rid of their car and it's in good quality. I'm looking, and, and again, I'm looking while I don't need a car. That's the best time, in my opinion, to look for another replacement car is when you don't need one because 
you have the time. You have uh, the time to, to, to look and to talk and to research and do all that stuff. And I'm looking for those opportunities where someone might be in a situation where they have to, where they've got another replacement vehicle coming in or whatever it might be. And they're willing to wheel and deal. Actually, uh, going back to the, this previous, this last camper that we bought, uh, used camper, again, very similar situation to used cars. Uh, that, that was the situation that these owners found themselves in. They had already purchased another camper. The camper was coming. They had to move this other camper out of the way. So guess what? They're in a situation where they were willing to deal a little bit more, whereas opposed to they didn't care when they sold it, right? So I was patient enough to find that, and we got ourselves a really sweet camper, and uh, we got a really good deal on it because they were urgent. They wanted to make a move, and they needed to get rid of it. So Use that same philosophy when you're looking for a used car. It's okay to get a deal. You're not ripping people off. If they're wanting to get rid of it because they need to make something move or they need the money, hey, that's to your benefit. And be patient and you'll find those deals out there. One of the questions might be, okay, guys, you know, this used car thing sounds like, a, you know, something I might check out. But heck, I'm upside down right now on my current car because I bought a brand new one. Uh, I've got negative equity. How in the heck am I ever going to get out of this to actually even make a move? Ryan, how about you? Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to get rid of a new car with negative equity? Yeah, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Until we were out of debt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so the, I mean that when this Grand Prix that I've talked about, I mean, that's what we did is, is I was upside down in a new car. Um, we owed like a difference of I want to say it was like five or $5,500 I had to come to the table with. Um, so we saved a chunk of it. Um, and that's how we did it. Um, we kind of had to save, we sold some stuff. Uh, we just scraped the money together to pay that difference. And then, uh, I bought that, uh, we had enough money to do that, pay off the difference and then had enough money to get another car within a couple months. Um, that's what we ended up doing. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't fun and it was hard to do. Um, but I, you know, if you're upside down, you don't really have, there's just not a ton of options for you. Um, right. you know, you've got to either scrape the money together or you're going to have to just bite the bullet and finish paying the car off. And then, you know, there's no magic way. You can't give it back to the dealer. There's no magic way to get out of it. You, you've got, those are the two options that we came down to. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't give it back to the dealer, but that's a really bad plan. <laughs> right. You yeah, can really get yourself into upside a, down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to get yourself into a really sticky situation that way. But yeah, this, when you're really upside down, it is, it is difficult to transition out of that. It's going to be a challenge. And, and like Ryan said, your option may be, hey, I learned my lesson and I'm going to set ourselves up for success the next time we need to make a car purchase and we're going to do it differently. Call it a lesson learned. Uh, I also, very similar to what Ryan said, when I transitioned out of this new car over to this used car, we were upside down. But luckily, the only smart thing I made, I decision I made is at least bought a car that held more of its value was a Toyota. So when we sold it, I think I'd have to go back and look, but I want to say we had to pay a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars to actually pay off the car, so they would release the title to the new owner. Um, and so we had to make that money, and then plus we had to find the money to pay for the used car. So all said and done, I think it was like it was like forty five, forty six hundred dollars that we needed out of pocket to actually make the deal happen. Uh, very similar to what Ryan said also, this was during tax time. And that was the only time that we were able to actually, you know, we had that tax return coming in. Uh, we actually were able to take advantage of that and make the whole deal happen. Outside of that, 
we would have been stuck too. We would have been stuck making that payment. So uh, it isn't easy. And if you've got a car lease, uh, I would recommend just see your car lease through, uh, make it to the end, and make a better decision uh, when it comes to that used car coming up. Hey, hey, what's this I see? I thought this was a place. Let's Hey guys, that means it's time for some celebrations of the show. We've got some good ones for you today. The first one is Amanda Cora. She says, passing along buying with cash to my children and staying away from debt products is her celebration this week. Awesome. She says, my oldest daughter just bought her first car. Get this, guys, with cash. She is 18 years old, and I am so proud of her. Yeah, I bet. That's amazing. Yep. Kicking off adulthood with a paid-for car. I love that. That's great. Fantastic. Uh, Kelsey Eve, emergency fund is built. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. Congratulations. Uh, Gretchen Magura, I ended February knocking $1,936.23 off my debt balance this month, bringing my total to $15,732.67. Yeah, that's awesome. In 13 months, she's wow. done that in. That is absolutely fantastic. Good for Gretchen. Jennifer Rose, taxes paid off a huge personal loan like two years early, saving us $306 a month and who knows how much in interest. We plan on putting that to emergency fund and credit card payments every single month. Congratulations to you, Jennifer. Uh, Lauren Jackson used over half my refund towards student loans paying for this weekend's vacation in cash. Way to go. Uh, and Joe Clover, uh, using the tax refund to pay off a vehicle and a credit card, $5,300 total. Also using the rest to get my daughter some new clothes and adding about $200 to an emergency fund. Awesome. Some fantastic celebrations this week. Congratulations to all of you who are working so hard on pushing towards that happier and stress-free financial life. Hey, do you have a question about your finances? If so, send me an email at brad at therealdebtfreedad.com and we will try to do our best to get your question on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So today, we've got a question from Rachel. And Rachel actually asked this question in our Life Without Payments Facebook group. And if you want to join a good group of individuals. We've got thousands of people in this group. Uh, search Life Without Payments in Facebook and request to be added to that group. We would love to have you. Uh, Rachel asked this. She says, when paying off debt, how much do you budget for extras or fun? I struggle with this. She says, we have two soon-to-be-three little ones and want to be or want to do a few fun things with them here and there or the occasional date night. But I get so overwhelmed and think about that money not going to pay off current debt. Also, family vacations. Our extended family is planning a trip to Disney in the fall of 2021, and we would love to join them. But the guilt and anxiety of using a large amount of money to pay for a trip like this versus paying off debt is almost paralyzing to me. But my kids are only young for a bit, and it feels conflicting to be debt-free when they're older, but have them miss out on things that are only special when they're young. Thoughts. Oh, I'm going to be <laughs> such a bad guy. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it's, there's just a lot to unpack here. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to like answer this fully. Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing for me, you know, that it, I don't think there's any right answer here for everybody, you know, and I think that's the first thing is, 
everybody's situation is different. You know, if at the end of the month right now, you don't have a nickel left in your checkbook and every dime you make is going to debt, then I would probably say you're not going on any vacations right now. But if you have a goal of getting out of debt, you're putting money towards debt. Um, for us, we kind of just set a goal. We kind of set a date, like here's when we want to do it. And when we did that, it really helped kind of put things in place and helped us look at certain purchases or if we wanted to go on a vacation, it kind of helped us say, okay, is this worth it? Is this, you know, if we do this, it's going to put us, you know, behind on our debt. And sometimes if it put us a month behind, we were okay with that. And then there were some things that were like, boy, that pushes like pushes, it kicks the can down the road another six months or a year. We're not doing this. Um, so that would be my suggestion is I always start, we started at the end. And once we did that, it really helped kind of then take some of that guilt away of my kids are in band and their band fees are a thousand dollars each every year. Well, that just helps our goals to be out of debt. We just budget our money. We still hit that goal and the kids still were able to do band. And I don't feel guilty about it because we're still getting out of debt when we want to. Yeah, I think like Ryan says, it really depends kind of where you're at. Um, for us, I know when we started doing the budget, we just found we found more money. Um, and we did decide to push back our um, debt free date uh, a few months because we wanted experiences and we decided that we were okay with that. And we gave ourselves permission to do that. Um, but it's going to come down to to where you're at and if your budget has opened up a little more cash do you use that and put it towards a date night which i think is super healthy um or put it towards paying down debt i think if you go strict 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 on too much just no 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 we're not doing anything you might like it's like a diet you're you know, you're not eating bad food at all. You're not eating sugar. You're not eating this. The minute that you slip a little bit, you might slip way too far. So I think that you kind of got to give yourself a little bit of a balance and give yourself permission. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, like Ryan said, I think it's gonna be different for everybody. I I'm going to answer this question if it were me and, and same thing. We, we don't really know everything about this individual, but if, I'm where I was at 10 years ago when I started this journey. There's no way I'm going to Disney World um, or doing anything major uh, that's going to cost a lot of money uh, initially. Just like Amber and Ryan have said, though, as time went on and as my finances improved and as I made a big decision like we talked about here today and taking out a car payment um, and paying down debt, removing minimum payments, as the years progressed towards that debt-free date, cash flow started to improve. So we were able to do some different things. We were able to add in some different things. We were able to take some trips and some vacations. Were they the best of the best? No, but they were still breaks. Amber's exactly right. You can't, you can't just take away everything in your life and not have any fun. Um, most people aren't going to make that. You can't starve yourself. You've got to reward yourself, but you also have to do it in reason. And the more, like, the more you do this process, the more you work it, the more rewards you're able to get as time goes on. Now, it's up to you, ultimately, at the end of the day, how long you want to prolong that debt-free date. We do have people that make drastic sacrifices, and they're not really willing to do too much of anything until they reach that date. That's totally up to them. We have people, we actually have a Roots member that went to Ireland last year. She's still in debt. She paid cash for it, though, right? But that 
that prevented her debt-free date, you know, prolonged it a little bit longer, but that was something that she was willing to do. So, uh, me personally though, like, again, if I'm back 10 years ago, I'm not doing any big, huge, expensive trips like this. Uh, as far as my kids activities and things, I'm going to use that pain of them missing out as motivation for me to work that much harder to make the sacrifices, uh, that much shorter so we can get to our, our goal that much sooner essentially is what I'm going to do. Uh, a lot of people don't like to feel that pain. They don't want to feel that pain. They want to like, let's just say they want to give their kids that experience. But I look at it as we could use this as a good opportunity to really change our behaviors and really learn from this and never have to go through this ever again. If we experience that pain right now, pain equals change. If you're comfortable, people don't change. So if you feel more pain and if you feel more of that urgency, you're going to make more progress. So me, I would bite the bullet a little bit on this. You could still go out and have fun. You could still go out and do fun things. In fact, there were a lot of people who commented on this post with a lot of great ideas of different things that you can do that isn't going to say something like as expensive as Disney World. So uh, hopefully that helps you out. So thanks again for everyone hanging out with us here today. We love your feedback. And it also helps us grow our podcast. Please leave us an honest review in Apple Podcasts. We read every single one of those. And as you know, the Debt-Free Dad podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. If you know someone who could benefit from our show, please give us a share. We appreciate you. And hey, we will see you on an upcoming episode of the show. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Dad podcast. For more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to therealdebtfreedad.com.